Hello, welcome to Adult Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, A Chapter at a Time, spoiler free. But in these special bonus episodes, we are talking about the His Dark Materials TV series on BBC and HBO. Beware, these episodes are not spoiler free and will contain spoilers for the original HDM trilogy. So if you haven't read them all, pop back when you're all caught up. This week, we are discussing Season 3, Episode 8, The Botanic Garden. finale finally the big shebang if you think you're gonna get spoilers they're all here right now because it's the end <laughs> it's the end and we are back finally yes <laughs> yes oh my god i mean okay maybe last episode we joked about the fact that we would just never cover this because it was too emotional we didn't think that we actually meant it <laughs> it's honestly so funny to me that we said that in the last episode and then just ghosted everyone <laughs> like, yeah bye <laughs> look Things happened. Mm -hmm. Life has a way of doing its own thing, regardless of whatever we do. And since you last heard from us, we've both moved to the other end of the country. Mm -hmm. So that's what's been going on here. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we are both uh not londoners anymore oh my god we need to change the bio on the website it's no longer two northerners living in london it's It's just two two northerners living in (laughs) In the north North. (laughs) (laughs) just that's it now (laughs) yeah that's it that's it we need to change it also i think somewhere i think in one of our bios says two gingers and we haven't changed that for ages no ginger for a while which is full of lies, full of secrets full of and lies. Absolute <laughs> lies. It's true. It's true. But yeah, we've been gone for a while. I think we needed it. Um, but we're happy to be back. Uh, and thank you to everyone for like sticking around and supporting us, especially our patrons. Like, thank you so much because obviously things have been quiet. We haven't been able to do what we want to do. And you guys have stuck around and supported us. And we really, really appreciate that. So thank you so much. Yeah, truly. It is, well, for one thing, I've moved halfway across the country and did not have a mic that was my own, my very, very own. And so the support of our amazing patrons is the reason you can hear my voice right now through a very nice mic that now matches phase. So our audio quality should be on par with one another. And yeah, like that's, you know, it would have taken us a lot longer to get back to being able to record uh, without the support of our patrons, which means hooray, yay, oh, that oh, that sweet, sweet audio upgrade, hooray. <laughs> exactly. And we were able to go to the Creatures exhibition in Cardiff um, and just do, you know, things like that that are related to the pod that help us out. And it's just amazing. So yeah, thank you for supporting us. We're like kind of softly launching back in to podding. So we will hopefully be back on the Patreon feed a little more a little less sporadically uh, soon. One thing that I'd love to mention is merch. We, while we've been on a break, we've had merch orders trickling in and it's always lovely to see because that's a really... I'm just going to flash you, but I can't, my hoodie's too... (laughs) I'm wearing my t-shirt. Oh, okay. I was like, why are you going to flash me? (laughs) Um, No, I'm wearing a hoodie over my Okay, Rachel's wearing a t-shirt. She's not just going to flash me, flash me, which I would accept, you know, like, I'd be like, okay, cool. Thank you. And yes, it really helps us. Um, It's such a, like, if you can't afford or you don't want to become a patron and like a one-off payment of something in exchange for some excellent goods that Rach designed is more your bag, then our merch is probably your thing. We have some great t-shirts, some great stickers. We're hoping to do like more designs as we get back into the swing of things as well. Um, But yeah, you can, you can hop over to our shop, which is, can I remember it? Yeah. HGMPod.co.uk forward slash shop, I believe. I believe so. I believe so, yes. But that's um that's a good way to support us. Also, we'd love, because we are looking at, uh, you know, making different types of merch while Rich has looked into different types of merch before, but we'd love to hear from your listeners what you would like. So we've got t-shirts and stickers at the minute, but what's your vibe on like coasters, tote bags, pins? Is there anything that we don't have that you're like, oh, I'd love some hgm pod merch yes i have some designs that i drew that we we teased the patrons with we were like do you like these would you like them on things and then 
life hit the fan and we did not actually finish sorting out those designs. So there are some new designs in the works that hopefully will become exciting things. Okay, so... Are we ready? Is it going to happen? Right. Before we do that, we need, okay. I mean, will we ever be ready? Let's face it. I don't Never. think we will. But before we do that, before we get into our conversation about the episode, we did ask you lovely listeners to get in touch and tell us your thoughts about the series. And you did. And they were just wonderful. And we've got a few to share with you. What we're going to do is we're going to like top and tail our conversation about the episode with them. So we're going to share two now and then two at the end after we've finished talking about the final episode yeah Um, yes so shall we shall we play the voice note first or shall we read the email first what do you think oh i don't know okay let's let's play the voice note first yes this is uh hope from minnesota which is very exciting i love that we have international listeners yes me too (laughs) Hi folks, this is Hope sending some thoughts about the HDM show from St. Paul, Minnesota in the U.S. Thank you so much for the wonderful podcast. I found it fairly recently and it's been a joy to go back through the books along with you. As for the show, I haven't been able to do a rewatch of the whole show yet, so I'm sure there are favorite moments that will develop and change in rewatches. But one of the overall highlights for me um, were the complex portrayals of both Mrs. Coulter and Lord Asriel, which you've talked about in your um, wonderful episodes as well but particularly in season three. And as a parent, it was actually quite difficult to watch some other interactions and arguments because both of them have such dysfunctional relationships with Lyra and really with the idea of Lyra and what she represents. Um, It's really a credit to the actors that these scenes were so poignant and so uncomfortable at times um, that it made a fantasy setting and plot feel very much part of our own world. Um, I think as parents, we have really complicated relationships with our children and um, and knowing that it, it made it a, a challenge to watch at times in a good way. I'm going to save any deep critique of the show for a rewatch um, because I think that seems more fair. Um, but I do wish we'd seen more of the Galavespians and gotten to encounter their shortened lifespans and questions of mortality with them um, and their dragonflies as well. All in all, I thought it was an amazing production and I'm so pleased that the show will bring more people into the HDM fandom. Uh, that's all from me. I hope you're both doing well, and I look forward to continuing my catch-up on the podcast. Bye. So this is the thing. I love hearing from people who have read the books, but also that have the, a different perspective from us, and Hope has the perspective of being a parent. Yes. And we have so many Masriel thoughts, but we can never give the perspective of having those thoughts from understanding anything about what it's like to be a parent. Um and so it's just really nice to have that input and to have that like extra perspective and also hear that you love the podcast. Thanks, Ho. Yeah, thank you for the <laughs> kind words. And yeah, to echo you 100%, it is always really interesting and fun. And one of the like, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is hearing people's opinions that differ to ours because they have different life experiences. And I, I just really love that. Um, so yeah, thank you, Hope. Uh, it's very much appreciated. Yeah, yes. Yay. Okay. Our email to read out is from Andy. Thank you for emailing Andy. This is in the best possible way, in the most complimentary fashion, an absolute novel of an email. And so we have, I have picked out some like best bits just to keep it concise for the listeners because my forte is not reading out blocks of text. And I, your content, the the email that you wrote is very interesting, but my voice will get boring. So... (laughs) That's all yes. I'm saying. <laughs> so I, I can read. I, do you want me to read this one? I can read this one. This yeah, one. do it. Cool. <laughs> so Andy started off with some really, really nice words about the podcast as well. So thank you so much. Um, and then we will go through like some chunks of text that you wrote that uh, stick out to us. So Andy said, I got into HDM watching the 2007 movie. I remember getting a pirated copy on a burned DVD. Oh, Allegedly. <laughs> Honestly, allegedly. I remember allegedly doing that with Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone drink. I never got a chance to see it in theatres. It was a Golden Compass movie and Stardust that I got the pirated copies of. They were both such original fantasy movies and I immediately loved them. I saw the book in my school library, but I never read it until I was older. They then talk about the TV show. They said, it was an amazing surprise when I saw that HBO and BBC were remaking it and using the original trilogy name. (laughs) Yes. They said that, honestly, my only concern was that I didn't want them to drop the ball like they did with season eight of Game of Thrones. I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't because I've never seen it, but whatever. Well. 
<laughs> when season one came out, I had watched parties with my best friend and we loved it. Then COVID happened. I was scared it would be cancelled and we would be in the same boat as a movie. I was happy that they com- they had confirmed both seasons two and three. The second season was just as good and, in my opinion, has some of the strongest episodes in the trilogy. The Subtle Knife is my favourite book of the three. Same. And I remember being obsessed with Mary and the Cave. They did such a good job of translating that to film and it made me feel the same as when I first read it. And a mere playing Will is perfect. The casting was on point and the writing was just as strong. The scene with Marissa and Lee Scoresby in the jail cell was so good. The finale made me cry so much and I knew the tears would only get worse with the final season. And now with season three, I loved it and I think they really did it justice. I'm doing a rewatch right now and the small details all the way from season one that led into the ending is just so perfect. For example, when Marissa is walking on the edge on the ledge of her balcony and she almost falls and the golden monkey reaches out to her. It was a subtle foreshadowing that was just perfect. Pretty much any interaction with Marissa and the golden monkey is so much more meaningful now that I'm rewatching. or even Asriel's everyone's special, everyone's beautiful lines are just perfect. It's simple, but it works. Daphne also is one of the best young actresses to play Lyra. I loved her in Logan and I know she will go on to do great things. Even when first watching her, I was imagining what the Land of the Dead scenes would be like and how she would portray leaving Pam behind being torn from him. It was even better than what I imagined and it broke my heart. I knew from the rest of this season would be one cry after another. I cried my eyes out at the end. I've made my sister and my best friend watched. They liked it too. And I hope to get other people to watch it. I watched the GQ interview with James McAvoy and him playing Lord Asriel was so good. Just um, a sidebar uh, on that. I also watched that GQ interview with Asriel. I can't uh, with with Asriel. Well, can you imagine Asriel doing a GQ interview? Oh my god, he would fucking love doing a GQ interview. He, he thinks he deserves one, but he doesn't. Truly, <laughs> um, I watched that one with James McAvoy, and it's where do you know they like there's that whole thing now where like celebrities go through their like roles, um, all their roles that they've done. James McAvoy does it, and the passion that which he talks about his dark materials is so incredible. Like he is obviously the biggest fan and he talks about how if he was to ever get a tattoo he would get tell them stories uh, love that James. Yeah. and then andy goes on to say i love that he's a fan of the books same one thing i hope modern hollywood takes into projects projects going forward is the use of cgi that they used for the demons the puppetry was such a creative way to have people interact with those cgi characters because they can actually act with them instead of a green tennis ball they really did more with less and again it just shows the amount of love and detail that went into this project as a whole i don't want to harp on the negative too much i felt like a few different scenes were missing watching with other people was kind of hard because i would have to explain a lot of stuff from the books i wish we could have gotten the asriel solo episode they could have added a lot more to the story and given context and exposition to certain things going into season three since it's so much happening at once i fully agree with that i had to do so much explaining (laughs) yes agreed last bit from andy uh, one of my favourite quotes for the whole series was from the angel Balthamos when he says to Father Gomez, desire is not a sin, love takes a million forms, each one of them beautiful, each one of them worthy. That will be a quote that will stick with me for a, for the rest of my life. Also, just Mary as a, char- as a character is such an inspiration. I always saw myself in the younger characters growing up, naturally, but now that I'm older, I see a lot of myself in Mary. HDM taught me that you don't have to be a preteen to change the world or go off on some grand, far-off adventure in mystical new worlds. Amazing stories do happen to anyone and everyone, and it should be embraced. It's also helped a lot in my personal deconstruction of religion. Pullman has an amazing way with words, and his own way of bringing these huge and profound philosophical questions up has changed my mind on a lot of things. I'm thankful for this fandom, and I'm thankful I'm able to get my thoughts out on this subject. I appreciate your time. Andy, we appreciate appreciate your time. time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, matchy matchy. I know. (laughs) Thank you so much. Honestly, the rest of that email is also incredible. Um, but we picked out our favorite bits and thank you so much for sharing them with us. Like, honestly, we love it. We love, um, we get so many emails and messages from people saying, oh, I don't really have anyone else in, in my life that likes these books or this show. So it's nice to have us like the podcast to, to get those feelings out to and We love it. Every time we get like an email or something about that, we just fucking love it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Also, one of my favorite things is hearing about how people came to the series or how the series came to them. And I love that Andy found this through pirated, allegedly, DVDs. Yes. So <laughs> yes. great. Incredible. <laughs> love it. Okay. So we'll save the other two for the end, like we said. Yes. Which means, shall we? 
get Do into the last episode. I'm not ready. <laughs> uh, Should we just just let's stop here and take another two months off? Yes. Why not? <laughs> I think so. I think so. This episode's an interesting one because there's not really any way with the rest of the episodes we divided them up being like, oh, we'll talk about Asriel and Coulter. There are very defined ways of talking about it, whereas this episode is, I'm imagining purpose purposefully, um, kind of one long flowing event, um, which is lovely and heartbreaking and horrendous all at the same time. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so I guess we'll just we'll just go through it and talk about what we want to talk about without it being structured. I mean, sure. As always, as always. get ready for the chaos. We're back. <laughs> yes. 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 One thing that I wanted to say, I guess, before we go into our thoughts about the episode is would highly recommend our interview with Francesca Gardner, who wrote this episode. We talk a lot with her about this episode in particular, including questions such as, how dare you? Um, yes. <laughs> and also our interview with Simone Kirby. Uh, we talk a lot about the marzipan scene with Simone and how that was filmed and how that was written, etc. Um, so obviously we'll talk about those points in this episode. So if you want to hear more about it, go listen to those interviews. My first note is just like straight into the credits and then I'm like, the last credits. No cold open. I feel like, because I was wondering when we were, when I was writing up and sorting out the structure for this podcast episode, like, oh, do we need to, we've had such a long break, do we kind of need to remind people where we're picking up from do we need to do anything like that but I feel like so much of the epicness kind of came to a conclusion and we just know that we're with Lyra and Will yeah in a new world their demons aren't there and that that's it like that's all we kind of need to know there's not a lot to conclude from <laughs> exactly and they've done they've they've done it so well because I would imagine if you haven't read the books the last episode episode seven is an ending it could have ended there. It could have ended there. So I imagine a lot of people would have been like, oh, episode eight, what what else is there to to do here? We've done, we've wrapped it up. It's, it's done. But it's not done because we're about to have a fucking heart ripped out. <laughs> exactly. It's not done. We've not finished stamping on your heart. You thought you thought Marissa and Asriel falling into the abyss was and, and bloody monkey disintegrating in front of your eyes was going to be... A lot? No, no, get ready. You're going to cry at least three times, maybe five. (laughs) Yep, yep. So the way that they, I think the way that they did that was really, really good. And I think um, I'm paraphrasing Francesca here, so apologies, Francesca, but I remember her talking about this and she was like, we just wanted to give episode eight its, its time and for it to be completely different and to be paced differently and, yeah, and really tell that story fully and separately because there are the, there are other ways they could have done this they could have they could have structured the episodes differently so that um this wasn't standalone but it is it is it is first first word of the episode is just pan mm. because because why not <laughs> why not why don't you remind us of that trauma as well you know yeah <laughs> i think that uh daphne and amir really level up their acting in this episode i think this is because i think I'm not an actor, so I can't say what is more difficult to act and what isn't. But when there's a lot of like action scenes and a lot of scenes with like props and things like that, I imagine in my brain anyway, please actors, please correct me if I'm wrong. But I guess it's easier to put yourself in that position of being like, okay, well, I have to say this line while I'm like running to this spot and I have to say this line while I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying there's not difficult things in there because there probably is. How much variation can there be? in somebody having to shout a thing and sh- shoot a gun, carry a ball. I don't know what people yeah. do. Why, why did I pick those two things? But yeah. Yeah, like. exactly. And then you've got this episode where it's just so emotionally poignant for like the entirety of it. And so many like little subtle things that are happening that I think, yeah, they really fucking leveled up in this episode, 100%. There's like a new, so much nuance to the like teenage awkwardness and like the subtleties of so many little moments of them like not all in the run-up to that I mean that's the whole point of the episode it's all in the run-up to this first kiss but like the little subtleties of just like oh and why do I feel a little bit awkward that Will's taking his shirt off to go for a swim and it's like oh it's because Lyra feels a little bit awkward that Will's why does Lyra feel awkward and it's, it's the teenage awkwardness of it that is done so perfectly well 
And it's all in like tiny little glances and like the awkwardness of vibes. <laughs> Some of my favorite perfect awkwardness vibes is the fact that the entirety of the first conversation the two of them have, pretty much all of it, Lyra is just a floating head in the water yeah. and I'm obsessed. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. So one question I had, and I think we've spoken about it before, is Lyra realizing that Mrs. Coulter is dead because the monkey disappeared in front of her. We probably had this conversation in episode seven. In the book, she never gets that, does she? She just never finds out anything about Asriel or Coulter. Yeah, I don't think she gets that closure. I, I could be wrong. There's a few things that I'm pretty sure that I made assumptions about that I was wrong about. But if if we are right, it's interesting that the the writers, producers, etc., decided to give her that closure with Coulter and not Asriel. I love that they did that. If that's <laughs> well, because they we've yeah, because Coulter kind of deserves some of that redemption because she's been on a redemption arc Azrael hasn't been on a redemption arc he's been on a I mean his redemption arc was just that very last moment when he actually turned and realized that Lyra was important and sacrificed himself for her but such a short period of time whereas Colt has been on this like three season long redemption arc so I feel like maybe we just needed to know about her more True. <laughs> also because they knew what they could do with that goddamn monkey <laughs> true that is true. So shall we talk? Because we we have um our main, our main characters in this episode, Will, Lyra, Mary, and Atal. Let's talk about Daddy Gomez. Let's just wrap his shit up you right were... now. Rip. Rip All Daddy Gomez. All my notes on him are just Gomez. Ew. Gomez, ew. So Jamie Ward did a perfect job of playing Gomez, in my opinion. Such a little bastard. Mm-hmm. Such a hot little bastard. <laughs> hot little watery-eyed, slimy <laughs> bastard. I hate him. Yes. I hate him. Why did they make him pretty? Honestly, honestly. I have to say, I hate him so much, though, that I did not find him in any way hot during this episode. I, it, it had all gone. All the hotness was created by the tension that he was creating that was very homoerotic with other priests. And now Agreed. he's on his own and just hunting down some children. I just fucking hate him. And I'm glad that he died. I'm saying it. <laughs> Agreed. No, I completely agree with you. Like, and also, like, I know that they had to wrap up his story somehow, and he has like a bigger story arc in the book. I guess we see a bit more of him on his pursuit. But also, I just, I was just like, if you remember when we first watched it, I was like, oh yeah, I kind of forgot that he'd like gone off on this thing. That and... he was still going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh <laughs> shit, yeah. I'm happy that Balthamos got to kill him. My question to you is why does Balthamos just die? Well, so interesting. I love this. I actually went back and I found it in the book. This is one of the times I actually will check against the book. Um, And it was just because I was like, I couldn't remember. Because I think when we, way back in the book episodes, when Balthamos just fucked off mid-fight, we were like, is that the last we see of Balthamos? I can't believe that's the last we see of Balthamos. And it's, it's not. And again, in the TV series when we saw him come back, I couldn't remember if it actually happened in the books and it does. And it is so much more brutal and so much more of a struggle um, because Balthamos has been tailing the kids to make sure that they're safe, has been tailing and therefore tailing Gomez and watching him and watching how he's a fucking prick. That's exactly how Phil writes it. Um, (laughs) And he uh, yeah appears in front of Gomez and Gomez has this conversation with him where he's like, oh my God, you're an angel, blah, blah, blah. But then also is like, oh, but you fight for the side. Oh, but maybe you are on our side and you have been on our side all along and Balthamos is basically like, no, fuck you. Um, But if we remember in the books, it's repeated so often how like insubstantial the angels are and how Balthamos is weaker than Baruch was. Baruch was a gorgeous little himbo that was like (laughs) up for a fight and Balthamos just is weaker as an angel and as in terms of like his willingness to fight. And so the entire thing with him is he has this conversation where he's trying to persuade Gomez not to kill the kids and trying to and like have this conversation and being like, just absolutely not. Gomez tries to get um, Balthamos to like do confession with him and change his ways and like join the magisterium side. And it ends with this like awkward struggle where he Balthamos does have Gomez's demon and like accidentally lets go of it for half a second and Gomez like launches himself at Balthamos so hard that he doesn't realize that Balthamos is kind of insubstantial and runs through him 
falls down a hill, hits his head on a rock and half drowns in some water and Balthamos holds his head under the water. What? And it's mad. Fucking hell, that's so brutal. Yeah, in the, so in the book, it's this very like Giles and Ben slash Glory yes, exchange where yes. Balthamos is like with using all of his remaining strength, just holding this priest face in like an inch of water on this stream and he knows that he dies because the the demon disappears and then Balthamos has a better line um, at his own death because he's been holding himself together and there's a line that gives much more of a recognition to the importance of Balthamos and Baruch's relationship quite frankly Uh, because Balthamos's last line isn't just Baruch like in the TV series it's, he says, Brooke, oh Brooke, my dear, I can do no more. Will and the girl are safe and everything will be well, but this is the end for me. Though I truly died when you did, Brooke, <sighs> my beloved. And a moment later, he was gone. So it's like he's done. done. He's like complete. I know. Let's all cry again for <laughs> Balthamas. I do love that he got a, some beautiful lines in the TV series, but I kind of wish there was more of that like brutal struggle. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or at least like that line that you just said because that would have also stopped people like me from being like why did he just randomly die yeah the idea that he was just holding himself together to complete baruch's last request of him is uh and that he would have disintegrated the moment baruch did if he like that uh, it just gives so much more for me to the relationship in so many ways no totally I agree. I guess that's we kind of missed that a little bit then in the show, didn't we? I think we'd mentioned that before. So I'm just literally reading through my notes. I love that we get like one last like close-up of the alethiometer when Lyra's trying to read it. We had an entire conversation with Lark from Hashtag Ruthless Productions about how angry we are that Lyra loses the ability to, to read the alethiometer, but I won't go into that here. Go and listen to that episode with Lark. When we get to that line from Serafina, they're like, you read it by grace and now you must really... Why? Why must she... Can she not? She just save the fucking world. Let her have this one thing. Absolutely not. Rude. Rude. <laughs> Truly. Um, I love the herd of skating Malefa. It's great to see a bunch of them skating around. Yes. Yeah. The, I think it's the wheeliest mm-hmm. moment, yeah. especially Lyra and Will's reaction to them. And just Will just going, Hello. <laughs> oh it's so cute it's perfect it's so it is cute. very much me seeing a cat ever yeah. anywhere just oh hello <laughs> it's so cute it's really cute um i love lyra and mary's reunion it's very sweet and the way that she talks about dust and she says that dust is a spark that means we're alive it's consciousness uh and you more dust comes with like age and experience that's a really good way of describing it um also I had to like rack my brain a little bit to be like, Mary doesn't know about demons. But like, of course she doesn't. Pan was hiding the whole yeah. th- and, and this is why Simone was mad that she never saw a goddamn puppet. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. she was like, yeah, she didn't even get to hang out with Daphne's puppets because Pan's hiding in all of the interactions that Lyra has with Mary. Yeah. So Mary finds out about demons and I just, I was just like, oh yeah, shit. I just assumed that she had that knowledge that somebody had like you know what i mean that we'd had an interaction in season two that meant that she got that knowledge but yeah i guess when she met mrs coulter as well the monkey was at home looking out the window <laughs> it does seem kind of mad right especially because of the way that things have been described to her especially lyra describing her world and that the magisterium's doing bad things and it not being like and the bad things happen to guys like this and then holds up pan <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's weird isn't it Simone's energy through this entire episode is absolutely immaculate but yeah her meeting Will and just her comment being like oh you've been through it or like oh you look like you've been through <laughs> through, through a lot it's just because he's like proffering his like mangled hand to her yeah it's just like just you know just two fingers missing it's fine it's fine I mean it's still not healed but it's fine <laughs> I love that um Atal gets the tell them stories line Yes, it feels yeah. really right coming from her I think in this like context yeah the whole campfire scene is gorgeous Will has the, one of my favourite lines which is just like you were a nun like a nun nun which feels like the most one of the most naturally worded lines that yes. I think <laughs> like a nun nun yeah <laughs> yeah so we get Mary's marzipan story as it's known in the in the fandom um, and 
yeah, I think this was... I would love to find our WhatsApp chat from when we were first watching this episode together uh, because I think we are both just like, she, as soon as as soon as Simone said the word she, we were both like, oh my fucking God, yes. Incredible. And I think that's potentially when I started crying the first time. Yeah, that's uh, this is when I started crying on this this watch through as well. Just, just, it's, I, I, I blame Simone. I blame everybody. I blame Lorne for his music, but it's just the entire episode makes the entire top half of my face just leak. Um, basically. Yeah. It's just too good. And especially after going listen to our interview with Simone, her describing like her connection actually with that actress. And she was like, and she just had such a lovely smile. And I was watching her and I was like, she does have such a lovely smile. She and then imagining does. the grumpy Italian lady in one <laughs> yes. of the neighboring buildings, or no, Spanish lady in one of the yeah. neighboring buildings, like blasting her music, like classical music really loud because she didn't like the fact that they were filming on history, like just adding to that, that entire scene. And That's like, so just beautifully done, beautifully put together. I can't. I can't express how much that scene means to me. It's so yeah. much. And it's so well crafted. Mm-hmm. Like all the dialogue is perfect. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's so it's so lovely and so right. And her queerness makes so much sense and is so special to the fandom already. Um that And do you know what as well? I do think that they could have been real. They could have been too heavy-handed with it, you know. What I mean, because they knew that the there's, there's been like so much incredible like fan art with like Mary and Marissa, and we spoke to Simone about that when we first interviewed her back in season two, and all that stuff about Mary being queer. Um, I was reading Mary even before the show came out, things like that. That they could have just done it to please the fans and made make it really heavy-handed but they actually didn't they just did it so well it wasn't like a big thing it was just really normal and i think that's what's really special about it yeah yeah very much so yeah just yeah <laughs> that's it i it's, it's just such good podcasters all we have to say it yeah, just, just, it was, yeah it was yeah good. it was great it was everything i needed from everything <laughs> Oh. It was. It was everything I needed and wanted from that. And um, Simone's comment about rereading the book and being like, "Wait, what? It was a man." Yeah. It's like exactly how I would have felt if that scene had a man cast in that role. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Just yes, here for queer Mary. Here yeah. for everything. Here for their reaction. Yeah, just she's just she's just so great. So great. <laughs> so. In terms of Lyra and Will, like going back to them, because we're like coming up on that kiss. I love Lyra's confidence. I love Daphne playing Lyra's confidence. She's the one making the first moves. She's the one like putting the feelers out there. She's the one that goes in for the kiss. And I just love that. I fucking love that. Because you don't really see that in like heterosexual pairings on television. You don't see that too much. And if if you do see it, it's usually the the woman being overbearing to like a really shy like guide you know like that trope whereas like this is just like really nice and um yeah just really the way that the entire run-up to that moment is crafted is so well done like Mm -hmm. i one of my little notes was just about how perfect it is when will says something really silly when they're in like having their like second swim because they love a swim they love a swim Um, and when he says something and daphne's kind of just like well that killed them daphne no when lyra's clearly like oh that's not the vibe but she just gets out of the water and walks off mm-hmm. and Will's just like oh, why'd she say that why'd she say that to himself in the water yeah. and it's just perfect and just kind of reinforces that like this thing between it's not one-sided at all it mm-hmm. is very very uh level between the two of them yes. like how much they both like each other and the answer is a lot and they're only just realizing it yes uh yeah it's so great and the first kiss between them and like all the dust around them is so lovely and they're like shot of the northern lights like flowing through the sky across like Chittagatse and things like that is so lovely um, and also like I don't know how to like talk about this without it sounding a bit weird but like the kiss between them it could have been like because they're obviously playing children and they were children when they were filming this but it feels really real like really realistic rather than like a child kissing another child you know what I mean rather than like an awkward teen kiss 
yeah. it feels very much like a um like a very like theatered real emotional kiss rather than just like two teens two teens kissing near a river you know what i mean yeah i think it's um having two actors that understand the gravity of that moment yeah from having read the books when they got the roles and known the trajectory of the show the whole time because i think maybe there's a an awkwardness that takes you out of the moment that occurs in so many things when it's like any any teenagers having to kiss for any reason because quite often it's like sometimes it's sprung on the actors and they didn't really know that their character was gonna have to kiss someone at the end of the film because they were or the tv series because they weren't given the pages yet and there's some like awkwardness there of people i i all i can think of is um is it Sadie uh, Sadie Sings? She wasn't ready for her first kiss to be in Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want it. And some of those things were like awkward. It's like that was just written in and not the actors weren't expecting it. Whereas Daphne and Amir, having read the books, knew the importance of that moment, the build to that moment. And I think they like just understood completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I also feel like the whole vibe of the production company is that they would only have ever asked them to do what they were comfortable with. Yeah, 100%. Because like, they would. If Lyra and Will's first kiss had to be a peck, <laughs> had to just be like a very emotional but slow motion peck, they would probably would have made it work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And obviously we know that because of the maturity of the content in book three between Will and Lyra, uh, we know that they obviously had planned to have a gap between seasons two and three for that reason. Um, and I think that it really, it really did pay off. So, Serafina's here. Hi, Serafina. Serafina with the voiceover, with just the... letting us know yeah. that the dust is reversed. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it Serafina and Zafania having yeah. a little chat? Yeah, yeah. love yeah. it. So, Serafina goes to find the demons. She names Will's demon Kajava. I always thought mm-hmm. it was just Kajava. But that, yeah. okay. Another thing we've been pronouncing wrong. We've not got there in the book yet, but I would have pronounced <laughs> it wrong. So, also, this is interesting to me. And I kind of like talked my way back out of it when I was like writing my notes. But Serafina and Pan confirm that Lyra and Pan are not severed. And like, I guess I just always assumed that they were. But then obviously it makes sense that they're not because we've seen what happened. We've seen what happens to people that are severed. Yeah. There's a moment later where Serafina says that Lyra will always be a sister, which makes me think what happened to Lyra and Pan is, a, it's not, a, it's not a full severance. It's yeah. a whatever the whatever the witches do to yeah. be far from their demons, only just a little bit potentially more traumatic because they didn't know what they were in for mm-hmm. <laughs> in the same way the witches hopefully do when they go through theirs. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because there is definitely a loss there between Lyra and Pan. That it doesn't seem to be between like Serafina and Kaiser or any of the witches and their demons, but it we don't know if that's because they're witches and they have like extra supernatural powers, or because they've spent years rebuilding those relationships with maybe oh, their damn, maybe if Lyra could fly, it would have yeah. changed that entire <laughs> spoilers for the secret Commonwealth. It would have changed the entire secret Commonwealth. Yeah, for sure. She could just goddamn fly. Yeah, yeah. I think I really do love the moments. Because there's so many, um, there's such a singular focus to the importance of this episode being about Lyra and Will and what they mm. find and what they have to lose, that you could really lose a lot of the significance of those interactions between Lyra and Pan being reunited. Mm. Yeah. I think they did a really good job of it. Having the first thing that Lyra says when she wakes up at the beginning of the episode be Pan, having that little moment where she's laying. Yeah. When, before her and Will know what's going on between them, when she's laying by herself in the middle of the night, just like whispering to Pan mm-hmm. to say like to come back and that she misses him when he's not there. Like that's adorable. The little moments between the demons that show that like Pan is still hurt mm-hmm. and kind of hurt by the fact that she's not looking harder for him. Yeah. And that she's hurt that she's come to the same world as him and he's not he's not come back and found her even though yeah. she kept him safe and she found him mm-hmm. and then and then so that like actual reunion and when they're kind of awkward around each other at first and he won't go near her and then she actually gets to hug him and give him a cuddle and that's mm-hmm. that was maybe my my next cry of the episode yeah and when she's <laughs> like oh i hoped you'd settle as a pine martin and we have uh will meeting his demon for the first time and we have like a really nice moment where 
season one especially it was drummed into us that you do not touch somebody else's demon it's such a taboo and then you have like will and lyra like touching each other's demons and being all nice and oh, it's very sweet very sweet very sweet yeah so in my notes i <laughs> poor zephania she's really got the exposition under end of the stick in this episode Every single line she has is exposition. All the exposition and all of the gold bronzer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is two things she's got a lot of. Yeah. She really has got a lot of it. So, just so shiny. I love a lot of her lines. Mm-hmm. We know that I don't love multiverse. I think no, I don't like multiverse close for me. Mm-hmm. And I also think that every so often the gold bronzer just takes me out of it a little bit mm. too much because she's so shiny. Very shiny. She's so very shiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks a bit more like um, theatre makeup than it does TV show makeup. Because, mm-hmm. like, I always find a lot, most of the time, if you're watching, like, a TV show with, like, really good, like, makeup artists and, like, um, things like that, you can't really tell it's makeup. You know it's makeup, but you can't see mm-hmm. it's makeup. And with Stefania, you can just see that it's gold bronzer. Yeah. It feels like it should have, like, theatre lights on it rather than like tv show lights if that makes sense yeah i think and i understand why you wouldn't do it especially for budgetary reasons of having to probably shoot everything twice if you did but Mm. if she was that shiny but also like semi-transparent or a bit translucent it might just give me a bit more of what they were going for with pullman's descriptions of the angels but she's so solid and so gold solid gold one might say indeed 24 (laughs) carats baby (laughs) yes so we have the interaction here, Lyra and Will, for the first time here, that they can't stay in the same world together. There's like a big build up for it that's very much like, oh, God, we've got to choose a world to live in. And then it's like, no, you got it wrong. It's worse. <laughs> you can't yeah. actually be in the same world together. Um, I also I really like Lyra's reaction is very Lyra to me where she's like, you know what? No, that's not fair. And her and Will just walk off. And I'm like, yes, yeah. that would also probably be my first rea- initial reaction to it. Just be like, you know what? No. No. You're just absolutely incorrect, Yeah, actually. Did you not Did you not get the memo that we just saved the world? Did you not just congratulate <laughs> us for saving the world with our kisses? Yeah. You're not allowed to take them away. Absolutely incorrect. No. I love that Lyra and Will go off together, but then that they also, also get to have, um, like, a separate moment of guidance was with each of their new chosen moms. Yeah, basically, yeah, we get a little Serafina mom moment, which is also the moment where she says something about reading the Lithiometer by Grace and having to mm-hmm. relearn it, and that's bullshit. But the rest of what she says is really nice about like yeah. being there for Lyra and being a sister now, mm-hmm. and like the gravity of the, like, those moments is a really beautiful mom chat. And then the fact that Will gets to have that with Mary is so nice, and also yeah. that that's their a little bonding moment for them because they're gonna get to go back to the same world together mm-hmm. and i think that will gets a better deal by the way out of this whole thing i know that lyra gets to keep yorick and seraphina and go to a world that has magic and bears and shit mm-hmm. but will gets to keep mary and that is huge because she understands the adventure to a degree yeah. that i don't think many people in lyra's world do i completely agree with and you. he gets to go back to his own goddamn mom <laughs> yeah i had like a note where i was like lyra really gets the shit end of the stick in this situation because she's going back to Jordan. Roger's not there. Like, the only person that she had any kind of connection with is not there. Asriel's gone. We know it was a shit dad, but that was another familiar person to her. And, like, Mrs. Lonsdale, hopefully she's still there. But it's... it. She just... It feels like she doesn't have anything there. Yeah. Whereas, like, it's Will like- has his mum, has Mary... Like, it feels much more like Will's going back to, like, an established home with he's gaining a new person. Obviously, he's got the horrible loss of Lyra, which is awful. But Lyra's going back with the loss of Will and, like, nothing else. Because, like, Serafina's not going to be there all the time. She's got her own, like, witch shit going on. Yeah. Like, Will's got not only that, he's got his mum back. He's got a bonus Mary, which everybody needs in their life. Mm-hmm. And he's got closure on his dad. Yeah. Which and is a, a, demon. a major factor for him. And a demon that he couldn't speak to before. Yeah. And so he's come out of this having gained a lot. And I feel like Lyra's just lost a lot. Because, yeah, she has Serafina. Serafina's got witch stuff to do. She could go and hang out with Yorick. There's no way Yorick would let her just live her life with the bears. Because he kn- knows that that's not what a human needs. Yeah. Like, she's got Pan, but she's always had Pan. He's... And also their relationship is mm-hmm. probably 
changed. Yeah. And so what what she got to go back to? Just school and a bunch mm-hmm. of stuffy old scholars. Yeah. She's got her her like two gay dads, the master and the librarian, but True. they were never like super there for her. <laughs> no. Like so. I agree. Like it de- that definitely hit me, especially when they when she walks through back to her Oxford. Yeah. I was just like, oh fuck. Yeah. She's lost so mm-hmm. much. She has. Uh so my note, my next note is, oh God, I forgot about the every atom of you speech. Horrendous. Look, <laughs> horrendous. I'm trying to avoid talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> so we obviously have to talk about it. It's a huge, huge, huge moment. I read this speech at my friend's wedding, did a smashing job. Did uh, you cry? I didn't. I didn't well cry. Well done. Well done. That's quite Thank the you. achievement. Thank mm. you. Thank you. Um, I can only imagine how much Daphne and Amir were probably like shitting their pants because this is like the big one. Like a lot of people know this. Even if you haven't read his dark materials and you're just familiar with literature and and you like to read, you've probably heard some snippets of this speech somewhere. Um, So it's a big one. And they do a really good job of it, in fairness. They do Mm. a really, really good Mm -hmm. job of it. There's a danger when you are a teenager of anything you say, if it's too dramatic, sounding too much like Riverdale. Oh, God, um, yeah. Or or like a badly written speech from any, like, dystopian YA novel vibe. Like, there's always a danger there. And they did such a good job of delivering it in a way that was, like, truly earnest and heartfelt and, like, right. The fact that most of it was whispered could have been detrimental, but I don't think it actually was. Yes, I agree with you. Like it, it could have, it could have gone so many ways. Um, and I think I remember Mia saying in one of the uh, screenings that we went to, where they were talking about the end episode. I think I remember him saying that they did this a bunch of times in a bunch of different ways. So I guess they probably just were able to try it however they wanted to try it and that probably got them more familiar with what felt right and what didn't etc because yeah i can see it being i mean reasons i'm not an actor i can see me trying to say anything that remotely that earnest and not cracking up laughing at how like cheesy i sounded if that makes sense yeah yeah because at the end of the day it's a really lovely speech but it's also cheesy as hell one thing that i noticed in this this watch is that, can you remember Simone asked us if Etal gives her seeds at the end because she'd not, um, she couldn't remember and she'd not seen the episode. Mm. And we were like, oh, I don't know. I can't remember. It does happen. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yes, I have um, a special note on the Mary and Etal saying goodbye to each other part yeah. of just being like, somebody, somebody released the unseen footage. Somebody released the full scene. She said they filmed a whole long bit and then it didn't make sense because it stomped on Lyra and Will's goodbye. But yeah, yeah. So we have to like now, I guess, talk about the the big the big moments, the big moment. Um, and the way that they do this is just really, I loved I loved it so much. I've never been this distressed by fiction before. Mm-hmm. Like it's truly mm-hmm. emotionally distressing. Uh, to watch there's a lot of like bits that are just awful like the bit where they first sit on the bench together then they talk about going back to the bench every year the bit where they where like will cuts the window uh and lyra's like holding his face and he's like oh what and she's like i'm trying to picture what you'll look like when you're old yeah i i can't when they absolutely devastating Mm -hmm. also just like i fully relate to the we're both trying really hard to be big brave people and not cry right now but also we're thinking loads of devastating thoughts and we know that if we say them out loud we'll break the other person and also make them cry and that's like very blatantly what's happening between the two of them and they're doing such a good job of it like amir's reaction to that Mm -hmm. is perfect truly Um, yeah truly and i think one of my favorite moments favorite horrendously heartbreaking moment is when because obviously they cut the window they all go through to lyra's oxford and then will cuts under the window and goes through the way that they look each other look at each other through that window and they both just say each other's name and then kiss and then he like zips up the window and it's just lyra's face daphne's face acting is like fucking top notch 
her face her, when the her window's entire gone. goddamn body when yeah. she's st- just standing and like you think she's gonna hug Serafina or go to Serafina for comfort and she does she had there's nothing that she mm-hmm. can do for comfort in that moment and she's just kind of like standing and turning and standing mm-hmm. and looking distressed and it's like oh god absolutely not yeah absolutely not Daphne rude rude do you know what else is <laughs> fucking rude is when we've just had that horrific horrendous moment like literally a cry my eyes out and then breaking the knife time comes oh my god it's like oh think of her oh we'll just have a montage shall we of fucking all the lovely moments that Lyra and Will have had together great that's exactly what I fucking needed right now actually yeah also not me realizing I was in love with my best friend literally the day that I get told that I have to never see them again yeah what the fuck (laughs) like not both of them just being like the fuck is this honestly (laughs) so rude oh not a montage reminding me of everything we had together honestly so we're, we're on like a we've got like a few like little bits to talk about but while we're just on this like lyra and will emotional trauma tra- trajectory mm-hmm. i do want to talk about the uh bench montage scene at the very end because if you remember <laughs> when we first watched it there's like we've got to find these messages but there's definitely i just i just I just felt it coming and I think I messaged being like if they do a fucking montage of them each going to that bench as they get older I'm gonna fucking lose my shit I'm gonna riot yeah (laughs) right and I'm like and they fucking did it didn't they and that's I think what made me cry the hardest like those two going to sit at the bench and like watching the demons as well like oh it's just so heartbreaking i've just never been i just feel like i've never been as heartbroken by a piece of fucking fiction before like i just can't believe it it's amazing it's horrendous (sighs) here we go i've literally found it i've literally found it okay Uh, the notes go it's the worst thing i've ever seen fuck off with the flashback rude oh they fix global warming good for them (laughs) elaine and lyra on her own oh god oh but lyra doesn't get a hug poor lyra oh god not the flash forward i fucking knew they were going to go back to the bench they had to the pod is done donezo crying face done no more podcasts we retire we just can't carry on it would be rude agreed (laughs) that's it (laughs) i agree i completely agree that is the energy the only thing that i will say about that montage scene is that they've aged lyra up really well for her oxford um but will seems like when he's like an adult adult he looks very strange to me i don't know it's what because they wouldn't let amir keep that goddamn yes, beard they wouldn't they wouldn't <laughs> it's because we know that amir can grow a beard and wants to yeah <laughs> and they were just like no only the slightest of stubbles for you young man <laughs> yep yep that's yeah that's true that is true so yeah i mean we also get we get Mary's demon. Mary meets yes. her demon. Um, which is a very lovely moment. We see Bear Dad for the last time, a little a little snippet. Oh, just of a little Bear bit. Dad. Enjoying the snow. Um and we like you said in your notes, we see Elaine again, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um but I don't know, like I'm just like a bit emotionally drained by that episode. It's such a good episode. One of the best episodes of TV I've I've seen, for sure. We know that the like coda at the end where it explains that Lyra goes back to college and has another adventure and Will's a surgeon was written by Phil. Yeah. Phil wrote that. But yeah, in terms of like the episode itself, it's just it's just such a fucking great episode of TV. Like they really hit the nail on the head. I can't think of like in terms of how the book ends, and you know, maybe I'll I'll think of um I'll think of more things when we actually get to the end of the book because I haven't read the ending of the book in a in a long time. I've only read it once. I think there's nothing that I wanted more of from it. Like I think they did like such a good a good job of it. Apart from I guess the Balthamos bit because I forgot that that's happened. How I forgot that's how it happens in the books. I I actually really like that, mm. so I would have enjoyed that. Um. But in terms of like how they tell Lyra and Will's story, I I think they'd like they did it perfectly. Yeah, I think they nailed it, especially for in the way that they needed to and for the cast that they have as well. Like mm-hmm. they, everything was perfect for the cast they had. Like Mary had perfect Simone had perfect, perfect Mary moments. And like, yeah, Daphne and Amir had like perfect 
Well, am I right? I think they just put it together really well. And it did, did. what I wanted it to. Um, perfect final episode. Mm-hmm. Devastated. Done. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. This is Go- the... Goodbye. What, yeah. <laughs> the last time... Well, potentially the last time we'll talk about the TV show. Who knows what we'll do in the future in terms of like interviews and stuff, if anything else comes up for us. But mm. I just think that it's been really fun to cover the TV show. It's been one of the funnest things that we've done, I think. Um, it's been like a real pleasure to like get to know a lot of the people that are involved in the TV show. It's been really great to like interview so many people and go to all these events and you know make friends um it's just been really really great and i've really enjoyed talking about the show and i'm gonna miss it yeah i guess that's why it's so good that they're all still on iplayer so we can rebinge them as soon as we want to it's true and that's the thing i will be very intrigued to do a rewatch especially when we finish the third book on the podcast and also do a i don't know maybe some little special episodes that are like once we finish the books, like an actual like, haha, attempt to remember side by side how yes. well we thought the adaptation was, and um, like maybe a general overarching recap kind of vibe. I don't know if anyone wants yeah. to come and do a, a TV club instead of a book club for, uh, to be a guest. Yeah, <laughs> we, just an excuse to talk about the whole thing all over yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So before we wrap up and say bye, shall we? Uh, shall we play this last voice note and read this last email? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. First is uh, a voice note from Cassidy. So thank you, Cassidy. Hey, Sam Rach. Long time listener. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller. Um, but no, I've been listening to you cover the show and the book since 2019. And I've just loved seeing this podcast grow and the community grow. And all the interviews, they've just been amazing. And I think this show has brought so much joy to so many people. Um, I think it's made some new fans of the books. And I discovered the books when I was in my early teens. And it affected me then. And it continues to affect me now um, because it's just such a beautiful series of books. Um, And I really just don't think there's anything like it. And I think that the ending of The Ember Spyglass continues to be the most heart-wrenching and evocative conclusion to a book-slash-series that I've ever read. Um, and then watching the show, I think that they just knocked it out of the park. And I felt the same, if not perhaps even more intense um, feelings And I am really going to miss this show. And I hope that we continue to see Amir Wilson and Daphne Keene in lots of more projects because I think that the casting, among other things, was a huge strength of this show. And especially Amir Wilson, I think it's just pitch-perfect casting. And he deserves the world. Okay, that's it. Yes, we couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Amir Wilson deserves all of the praise for the perfect casting. Honestly, Agreed. truly. And I've said this a million bazillion times about Amir, but he is the nicest person. He did so, I think that he took a lot of the um, like the press commitments on his shoulders. He did the, from what we saw, he did, pretty much the most out of everyone in terms of press junkets, premieres, Q&As. It was always Amir. Wherever we went, it was always Amir. And Mm -hmm. he did such a good job. So professional, so lovely. He always came up to us and like give us a hug and always said hello. Like he was lovely and he's also obviously great in the series as well. But like, yeah, I have so much time for Amir and I think that he's going to go on to do great things as is Daphne because Daphne's going to be in Star Wars. So... Yeah, they're doing, there's a TV, I can't remember, but there's a new Star Wars TV series that she's going to be in. Um, I don't know what it's called. Um, but yeah. But no, totally agree. Uh, the ending's horrendous. Uh, mm-hmm. Such mm-hmm. a good conclusion. And and thank you, Cassidy, as well, for your like, nice words about the podcast. Yeah, yes. Yay. 
Okay, so this last message we have, would you like to read it or would you like me to read it? I can do it. You did the last one. I can, okay, I can manage this. Okay, cool. Uh, this was from Stephanie. Thank you for sending us an email, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. I also love how emotive it is. Lots of all caps, and I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm going to attempt to read them in all caps. Okay. <laughs> Guys, the finale. Ah! <laughs> I put off watching it for weeks because I didn't want it to be over. And then when I finally did, I was so sad. I immediately started the series over again. It was so good. It was so effective in giving me the exact same complex and devastating tangle of feelings that the end of the book gave me. I think this was due in no small part to the soundtrack at the very end of the last episode. And I'm a music nerd, so I'm going to go off about that a bit. Those last few tracks, especially Every Year and To Be Close To You, truly capture the desolation, the resignation, the love and the hope that Will and Lyra's characters carry within themselves for the rest of their lives or until whatever the hell is about to happen in BOD3. Lol. (laughs) Uh, In particular, at about 2.38 of To Be Close To You, you hear the main series theme again, but it's different. The melody has a slightly different chord structure behind it and it is played at a different tempo and uses slightly different orchestration. And it's just so effective in communicating, yes, this is what you've been hearing all along, but here's what it is truly meaning to say the entire time. Here's the final layer. And I simply can't even. Thank you to Lorne Balfe for the capital A art. And thank you to you, Stephanie, yes. for the capital E email. <laughs> yes, Stephanie. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I loved that. I loved that email. And yes, yeah. yes, Lorne Balfe, what, the first person we ever spoke to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Lovely man. Lovely man. So prolific. So many things. He's always yeah. working on stuff. <laughs> he is. He is. And he knocked this out of the fucking park. Like the music Absolutely. in the show is incredible. Um, and as is this email, Stephanie. So thank you so mm-hmm. much. Yes, thank you. Is there anything else you want to say about this last episode or the series before we, we go, before we skedaddle? Uh, aside from the fact that I quit. Yeah. And how dare they? Uh, mm-hmm. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, there's, I mean, there's so much. I could talk about this episode 10 times over. Every single moment deserves speaking about, but yeah. we simply cannot do that. Um, no, we so, can't, unfortunately. Yeah, just give me the Mary and Will spin off series in which it's like weirdly mundane, but he has a demon somehow. And like, he's like doing like a hospital drama tv series and marries his like fun auntie that helps him out with his surgery homework i don't know yes (laughs) give me that i want it (laughs) he's now in holby city yes (laughs) it's not even a thing anymore i don't know i don't know does casually is casually still going i have no idea i have no idea who knows but yeah i'm just like happy that we've got to talk about the whole whole show um and we are back now we're back and we are going to start back up with the book episodes again uh, soon. Um, we're not sure on the exact date yet, uh, but we'll let you know and we'll be in your feed yeah. soon-ish. If, if you want to recap, mm-hmm. the last chapter that we just covered on the book episodes was Mrs. Coulter in Geneva. And we'll be picking up with St. Jean Lazer. St. <laughs> <Saint> Jean Lazer. <laughs> a very good google translate on the very last book episode if you yes. did not hear it you're missing out so yeah if you do want to catch up and get back into the book episodes we are picking up at chapter 25 of the amber spyglass so yeah get on it join us for the book stuff hell yeah keep, keep this going yes yes if yes if, if you've only listened to the TV series episodes, you're missing out because we kind of go through it with a bit more structure on the books. Yes, it's true. <laughs> They're a it's bit true. less chaotic and a bit more in chronological order. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Come and join us. Come and join us. Oh my God. Such a journey as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And yeah, thank you so much for sticking with us through this little break. And we're very glad to be back. Absolutely. Yay. Yay. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Heard Art Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can email us at herdartmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. 
I'm fair, and when I'm not crying about Lyra and Will, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here, chatting with Faye, trapped on the other side of a computer screen, like, <laughs> like Lyra and Will are trapped on the other sides of the lines between worlds, I'm making, <laughs> I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, RachMakes.co.uk. Huge thanks as always to John Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you soon. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. dog barking as well which is quite the achievement that's good (laughs) he's probably sleeping